Welcome to Emerge Dynamics. Emerge Dynamics. The podcast for those who manage and invest in middle market private companies across the globe. globe. We're telling the stories of the unsung champions who take enormous risks every day to weave the fabric of our societies. Those who collectively, from the multi-trillion dollar largest market on the planet, we're diving into the dynamics of what makes some of them emerge from their peers and create incredible returns and impact on their communities. This is Emerge Dynamics. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Emerge Dynamics podcast. I'm David Cusimano here with Eric Wingerter. We're on to some new material. We did a, several episodes on valuation. Before that, we did several episodes on strategy. So folks, if you haven't heard those, highly recommend going back and listening to those. As an owner or manager of a business, it's super valuable content. Today, we're going to talk about financial analysis. And Eric, I think we could get so deep into financial analysis. There's so much there. We could do a semester or even a, a, a lifetime body of work on financial analysis. Let's talk about, though, for people who are owners of businesses or managers of businesses, what financial analysis do they need to know to best run their business, right? Not someone who's going to go be an investment banker, but someone who runs a business, privately held business. What do they need to know? Let's maybe unpack that if we could. Sure. I think that'll be most applicable to our audience, for sure. What I'm thinking about is, number one is knowing your numbers. And we've touched on that a good bit in previous episodes, but kind of touched on it. We haven't really had a dedicated conversation on it yet. But I think before we even dive into any specifics, I think like how well does someone need to know their numbers right, as a manager owner and how do they need to be able to analyze those numbers? I think a good way to say it, and Eric, tell me if there's more to add or, or to correct, but you don't need to know your numbers as well as your CPA. You don't need to know your numbers as well as, you know, if you have a larger business and you've got a CFO, you don't need to know your numbers or understand financial analysis as well as your CFO, but you do need to know your numbers. You do need to, when someone speaks to you, say it's a banker and you're trying to raise money right now or it's an investor. And when they ask you questions like, what is your gross margin? You know, why is it trending this way or that way? And you say, I don't know, let me call my finance guy, right? Your credibility just disappeared, just like that. Is, is that right? I think to your point, you do need to know your numbers as well as, say, your accountant, as your finance person, et cetera, et cetera, when it comes to the key components of your numbers, not all this other additional analytical detail. But when it comes to those main things, like you said, what are my revenues? What are my cash flows? What is my operating margin? What's the leverage in my business? Those basic fundamental aspects of the business, the finances of the business, you do need to know as well as anybody else in the company and be able to speak to that as well with anyone. But you don't need to get into the minutia, let's say, and know that as well as some others who are focused exclusively on analytics. If that's the right perspective, I guess, to throw out. Yes. Well said, Eric. I agree. You said it better than me. Certainly, there are areas you need to know as well as everyone else, or at least your professionals. I'm thinking of an example, Eric. There was a project we referenced it, I think, in the last episode that you and I worked on several years ago in South America. We were working with someone who wanted to buy a company there, and the CEO of that company 
I think to me was just such a great example of knowing your numbers as well as a CEO needs to know the numbers. We asked him so many things on his various product lines and why are costs going up on this? And you know, why is margin shrinking on that? This expense seems to have gone from here to here. Why is that? And he could answer all of that. We were able to use his income statement and balance sheet essentially as talking points for a conversation. And we were able to have a very fluid conversation about it. But there were some things where we said, well, hang on, there's an accrual there. Why is that? How long are you accruing that over? And what method are you using? And he would say, let me check. And he would call a CFO and say, hey, here's what we need to know. And the CFO would say, I'll be right there and I'll, I'll bring it to you. So there was definitely, he didn't know everything, but he knew what he knew. He knew enough to talk performance of his company amazingly well. But there were things that he said, okay, that's their domain. I know they're doing it. I know they're doing it right, but let me go pull the details from them. Right. Maybe we could, for the audience, David, get, get a little specific with respect to those key things that any business owner really needs to understand. One, for their own sake, to help make better informed decisions with respect to the company. Two, to anticipate what may be coming up for the company and what are the specific maybe financing or other issues and decisions that have to be made as a result of those anticipations. And then I guess thirdly, it's also is that if they ever are out there looking to raise money, whether it be through the banks or, or whether it be through outside investors, what have you, what are those individuals maybe looking for, expecting for that business owner to know and know inside and out? Absolutely. So Eric, I would say the number one tool, there's kind of, when I look at a business and try to understand how it's doing, I'll start with the historic financials. And they come in so many crazy formats, right? The financials come out, right? Sometimes there's columns of percents and everything in between. I like to line up by month, at least the last 12 months, preferably the last 24 months of income statement and balance sheet, you know, one time period per column. And the reason I like to start with that is because there's information in the very beginning of financial analysis. You know, the first tool that is very basic, it's just time series, right? You're looking at a snapshot of a financial statement, it gives you good information. But when you look at multiple time periods side by side, you start seeing things move across time periods. It's the beginning of it starting to come to life, right? And ultimately, what is financial analysis really doing? It's telling the story of the real life things and people that are moving around and, and doing things in the real world, right? Just putting it right. in a format that allows us to apples to apples compare one business to another. So for me, that's the very time series. I would go the next step to layer on a little bit more complexity, but still quite simple would be to look at common size statements. And so, for example, on an income statement, I would take every single line on that income statement and divide it by total revenue of the business in that time period. So just as an example, I would say, you know, if revenue was a million dollars and marketing was a hundred thousand, then on the common size statement, it would say that marketing was 10%, right? 10% of revenue. And this is really easy if you do this in Excel. You make one formula, literally, and you drag it around. Anyone with a basic level of knowledge with Excel can do this. If not, I'm sure your financial advisor or accountant can do this for you. But that, to me, is the next level of this thing starting to come alive. Because it's one thing to say, oh, marketing expenses are going up. But it's another thing to say, are they going up by the right amount? I would expect if your company doubled in the last two years, that marketing expenses would have gone up. (laughs) 
it'd be great if they didn't, but usually that's what you need to do. And so the question is, as a percent of revenue of marketing expenses going up faster than revenue or slower than revenue, suddenly it starts to come a little bit more to life. And not that any one of those is the right or wrong answer, but it starts to give us questions to ask. And things to dive into from an operational perspective. Hey, are we making the right decision or what's going on here? Is something getting out of whack here that we need to take a look at? And I know we've talked before too about the importance of the quality of your financial reporting that gives you this data that you're then analyzing. And it's kind of twofold, like you said, when you do this, look back 12 months or 24 months, whatever it may be. Some of the things that come out of that is, is, well, is my accounting really right? You know, am I accounting for things appropriately and properly accruing things, et cetera, et cetera. Those are other things that pop out of that analysis and help us to just continue to have that continuous improvement, if you will, in the quality of the financial statements, as well as to glean the information that is helpful of, of what trends and what other things are happening and how we need to respond to it. And so, Eric, I think we're having this conversation right now, assuming that someone is doing proper accruals, right? The <laughs> distortions have been adjusted for someone's paying themselves above or below market compensation, things like that. And so just for the audience, we did talk about that. Was it the last episode, I think, is when we covered that or two episodes ago? It was very recently, yes. So we're having this conversation now, assuming people have already done that, right? And sat with their advisor, their accountant, their CFO, and gotten things accurate and undistorted. And David, I know you said the income statement and the balance sheet and the cash flow statement also very, very important financial statement that helps to gleam out a lot of other issues that may not be as inherent directly from that income statement or balance sheet, particularly when it comes to that we talked about in the last episode, I believe, around working capital and how that can come into play. And it has a huge impact on the company if it's not managed properly, that statement of cash flows can definitely provide a lot more insights into the cash needs and the cash cycle of the business that is not apparent from the income statement and the balance sheet alone. I left out, I said income statement and balance sheet. And the reason I said that is because I usually will take those two and build my own cash flow statement from it. But exactly. But if you're a business owner, you don't need to know how to build a cash flow statement from an income statement and balance sheet. But you do need to understand there is a thing called a cash flow statement, and it's very critical. And in fact, the first place, once I get kind of my basic analysis laid out, my common size, you know, my time series, everything all lined up, one of the first places I'll look at is operating cash flow. A business can last a long time with negative profit, but can't last very long with negative operating cash flow. And you could be profitable and have a negative operating cash flow. And you're thinking, oh, everything's going well. My income statement, I'm saying I'm doing well. And it's like, why don't I have any cash? <laughs> What's going yes. on here? And yeah. the cash statement will pick that up. As we're saying that, I think we need a whole episode on working capital because it's so much not understood. And so, so important when you're understanding what's going on oh, with the yeah, numbers. Oh, agree. Even in the community of financial analysts, they mess that up. I would say sometimes we mess that up, right? So I think it's, it's really important. To, <laughs> we'll do an episode on that one. But absolutely, that cash flow statement, critical to really understanding where the cash is going. And what I'll do too is I'll look at, I'm trying to think of how do we best use our time. Maybe, Eric, we can rattle off a few other things that we like to look at, right? And I wish I could just say, hey, everybody, your metric is X. That's the only one you need. It's the one that tells the whole story. And there you go, right? Your company's healthy or it isn't. 
that'd be wonderful. There are some metrics that get close to being that ultimate metric, but there's no one metric, unfortunately, that tells the whole story, right? It's an understanding of the various components of the business and where to look to get them. So maybe, Eric, I've got a couple in my head since you mentioned working capital. While we'll talk in detail about working capital itself later, there are some metrics that you can run very quickly on your financial statements to start understanding what's going on with the business that are related to working capital. One of those is day sales outstanding. And I'll tell you an interesting story. I was meeting with a company several years ago. I was going to have a meeting with them. And I said, can you send me your financial statements before our meeting? I'll look through them. That'll allow me to have a better conversation with you about what's going on in your business. And I showed up for the meeting the next day. And I told them, I said, within a couple of minutes of starting the meeting, I said, looks like you're having trouble collecting from your customers. And they just froze. And they're like, how did you know? (laughs) <laughs> like I was a wizard. So just for fun, I let them uh, continue thinking I was a wizard, but <laughs> it was a simple right division problem. It was a day sales outstanding, right? So day sales outstanding is essentially your accounts receivable divided by your sales per day. You can look this up. We'll include a link in the show notes on some, you can see the formula. It's really easy to do, but it tells us a weighted average number of days that your sales are not turning into cash, right? Weighted average number of days that money is sitting in your customer's bank account before they pay you and it comes to your bank account. This number increasing or decreasing says a whole lot about a big component of the business. And there are lots of businesses, positive net income, running out of cash because they're not collecting properly. Right. Somewhat complimentary to that, David, is the day's payable outstanding, which Mm -hmm. is a look at how quickly are we paying our vendors. And that also can be a lead indicator. It's usually kind of a little bit of a lagging in that we know if we're having some cash flow issues like collections from customers or a slowdown in our revenues, things of that nature. A lot of times what happens is we're going to start slowing down our payments to our vendors. And that's usually that indicator that we're having some cash flow issues. And that can go for a little bit of time, but we know that if if that goes on too long, then our vendors start having issues with us and and we start having other problems within our operation. Absolutely. And I've seen this. We've seen all this firsthand, right? One company I'm thinking of, right, was running their days payable up to like a hundred, which in their industry is high. It's probably high for almost any industry. And they were able to really lean on the relationships of their vendors for several months where the vendors didn't stop sending stuff to them, but it damaged the relationship. And I was trying to tell these guys, you've done this up till now. This can't be your, you have to forecast this number coming back down. At some point, your vendors are going to run out of cash in their own bank accounts. It won't matter how much they love you. They'll be out of cash themselves and they're not going to keep you stuff anymore. And I said, I guarantee these vendors have other customers and they have some product that's better or some product that's less good. And you know what? You're not getting the good stuff. I promise you're not. The people who are paying faster are, right? So it can be a delicate balance. Where do you put that payable? You don't want to pay the bill the moment you get it because it will cost you a lot of cash. But there's usually an area where you can go where that relationship is still healthy, but you're not sending your cash out too quick. And days payable is a great lever and indicator to help drive conversation. And David, too, I mean, oftentimes we think, oh, that's the easiest thing to do. We're just going to put the pressure on our vendors. But really what we're doing is we're taking our problems and we're pushing it down to those vendors who supposedly are helping us to basically do our business. 
and we're doing it on the backs of those individuals. So from a relationship standpoint, that's really not a good approach. Whereas it's better for us to go out there and say, hey, what are those cash flow needs within our business? If we need some additional financing to cover that, and because it's not just an inherent issue within the business, but it's just the nature of the cash cycle in this business, it should be on us to go out there and get that funding and not put it on the backs of those vendors. Because as you said, that only goes so far. And I guess I like to always say, let's put yourself in that perspective. Do you want your customers doing that to you? That's exactly what's going on here. And so we need to be good business people ourselves and good stewards ourselves on behalf of all those people that we transact with, whether they be customers or whether they be vendors. And so Eric, I'm noticing we're about at our normal length of podcast episode. And we have, I don't know about you, but I think there's so much more to say about this. David, we've only talked about the historical information and analyzing the historical information, but there's a large component of taking that look in the rearview mirror, if you will, historical side of things, and then using that as a means to project out that same income statement, balance sheet, and cash flows so that you can properly anticipate what the needs of the company might be as it continues to grow or as it continues to have some headwinds, so to speak. So I think you're right. Further unpacking on the historical analytics, as well as then how do we roll that into a look into the future and project out, I think both of those would be time well spent. Absolutely. So I think we just made ourselves another mini series. (laughs) And so folks, for folks listening, let's just underscore why some of these things are so important. Eric just highlighted on looking into the future. And in fact, that is such a critical element of analysis because really you as the business owner or a potential lender, a banker, what's important to a banker or a future investor in your business What they really want to understand is what's going to happen in the future of the business. They love to look to the past because it turns out that the past is usually a really good indicator of the future, but they really want to know the future. So that's why Eric is saying this is so important to be able to forecast your business out into the future. So we'll definitely do an episode on that. And just to conclude, we will dive deeper in another episode on financial analysis of the existing financials. I mean, I don't want to end this episode without saying a few more things, and I'll just maybe even list them and we can unpack them in the next episode, kind of a teaser for what's coming next. But I'll link to an article. I know I say this a lot, but I've written several things in the last few years, but I'll link to an article uh, on why it's not all about profit and margin. Profit is a good thing. Margin is a good thing. There are other things that are important. And actually, from a ownership, business ownership standpoint, things like return on assets and return on equity are actually more important. Now, it turns out increasing profit also increases return on assets. I was talking to a business owner just recently, Eric, who was just very adamant on getting gross margin up because that was the most important thing. We had to sit and work out a little math example. And I had to demonstrate that, yes, increasing margin is good, but not at the expense of return on assets. So folks, for people listening, that is going to be something that we'll unpack as well in the next episode. And um, I think that's going to be really valuable to people as they try to understand, hey, where is my business today financially? Where should and could it be? So more to come. Look forward to it. All right. With that, folks, we'll sign off and uh, start unpacking next time. <laughs> <laughs>